Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting into go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. All right, everyone. We have a, a like a boatload, a boatload of guests. I don't know if you you, can, you don't count as a guest, Yanni. So there's Yanni, and Sometimes. then three: uh, Matt Moisson, who I've known for twenty years. No. I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's more. 22 years. Fitzgerald, Jamie Fitzgerald, who I've known for like, if I'd known Matt for 20, I hadn't known you for 25. Yep, early college. Jimmy Dorn, I don't know really at all. No, barely. Three, Makes a good pizza. Two or three years. What's the, pizza with the, <laughs> what's the pizza with the hot red peppers on it? I don't know, the pizza with the hot red peppers on it. You guys don't have a, a name for that? We have one called the Carol's, and that has pepperoni and hot peppers on it. Yeah, Jimmy Dorn and I just brokered a, a boat deal. <laughs> <laughs> I brokered a boat deal. Yeah, are you I excited about our boat deal? I'm pretty excited about it. I think the I terms wanna, are completely reasonable. I think we need to put some terms around it. Though. All right. Well, if you break it, you bought it. Now, first thing I want to get into is we have a guy like he's like the resident philosopher that I never met him. A dude named Luke Ryan who always writes in with a. Uh, vexing questions i want to poll you guys on a question luke ryan had luke ryan says um what one do i want to do first here's his first one if you had to guess imagine that you're standing on a patch of public ground okay 
and you're looking at a deer who's also on public ground. But between you and the deer is private ground. This happened to me on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had Are you these, serious? Yeah, I had these, this whole scenario go through my head because we're working a fence and we're looking at elk. And I'm like, they're on private. And then we realize, we're like, well, let's get a little closer and make sure. And then we realize, no, they're not on private. They're on public. But there's a corner, you know, like that was coming basically out between the two of us. And we had to go around that corner. But I kept thinking, well, what if? We get close enough, and all of a sudden I'm pinned, but I'm st- I still haven't made it around the corner. I'm Where gonna your bullet ha- trespasses. I'm going to have to shoot across. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, that didn't happen, but I had these exact thoughts. Yeah, I, uh, I don't understand. Who, who, I didn't even know. How did I all of a sudden like, find out you got an elk without you having known you got an elk? It's been a busy weekend. So who are you out with? My buddy Brady. And I had a cow tag that was good through the end of the year. So you went out and shot a cow elk didn't even like tell me about it? Mm-mm. I figure I would today. Well, I, yeah, well, I found out about, but not in the way I normally like to find out about stuff. <laughs> All right, so here you are. You're Giannis, okay? Just look at Giannis. You're Giannis, and you're on public, looking at a deer, elk, what have you, on public. But your bullet needs to cross private. Your bullet will have to trespass to get there. Is that legal or not legal, Matt? It's perfectly legal, and here's what why. Do you know? I don't. Oh, but I'm, making, I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm saying it in a declarative way because it sounds more convincing. No, um, it did. I thought you somehow knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't own airspace when you own the land, and that is what your bullet is traveling through. No, no boot print is no boot print to be found on that land. Well, let me let me let me address that. Okay. Why is it why is it illegal to corner hop? Because you have to theoretically place a no, foot on the no, really corner hopping. I know what you I mean, well, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. I want, about. I want okay, the listeners okay. to understand okay. corner hopping. This is another landscape or land issue, ownership issue. Imagine you got okay, imagine you got two pieces of well, two squares. Okay, you got two squares and the corners butt up. So the corners are touching. Now imagine that the that those two squares where the corners are touching are public property. The and then the other two squares that would make up the big square. Am I saying this right? Yeah. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You're painting a, a good checkerboard picture. situation. Yeah. A literally imagine a checkerboard, and you're only allowed to walk on the black spots. The white spots are private, the black spots on the checkerboard are public. You would think that you would be able to walk up to the very tippy corner of a black piece, reach your foot out and over, and land your foot on the corner of the next black piece and step over to it and have not trespassed. If you're going by what Matt Moisen is telling you. And that's illegal? That kind of corner hopping Corner is hopping is yeah, illegal. It's illegal. It's illegal. Because you're passing through... I don't know how you're passing, right? Your body is passing through. So I don't know that the answer is an airspace issue. Oh, God. If you were hunting, yeah, right. but it probably <laughs> helps because let's say you were hunting deer with a bowling ball. You could see a guy saying, hey, man, you just rolled your ball across my property. Uh-huh. You can't do that. And what's interesting, too, is if you flew 
an airplane up high. Well, at what point does it be? What at what uh, altitude does it become private? I don't know. I can't go hover a drone eighteen inches off your picnic table while you're eating dinner. Are you sure? No, but (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure. All right, so Fitz, what do you we, think? We need to get <laughs> no, the FAA no. in on this well, because I know <laughs> I, I haven't called the FFA, FAA, but I do have some insight. It seems to me that those boundaries go they go up, right? I'm gonna. This is a poor analogy, probably, but I'm gonna use it. In the NFL, in order to determine a touchdown, the the, the football has to break the plane, and that plane goes up. That's how they use to demarcate an end zone for football. Got you. So to me, it seems similar. You're a sports fan. I am a sports fan. Are you a Seahawks fan? No. Jimmy Doran is. Holy oh, yeah. shit, is that guy a Seahawks fan? <laughs> oh, God, I love the Seahawks. <laughs> I got no problem with the Seahawks. <laughs> Which I just don't even, I can't even begin to understand it. But anyways, sports fan. So yeah, th- yeah. That, so I think that boundary goes Tom, your up. arm can just pass over the end zone when your body never touches the end zone and you win. Yep. You get the plane. All you got to do is have that ball over that plane, which goes up to, you know, the heavens. What if it just passes through and passes back out of it? Doesn't matter. You, cro- you cross that plane. They even, <laughs> that's a term. They cross the plane. Imagine your checkerboard is in 3D. So yeah. it's like all those. Uh, I didn't know the football counted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying, I get what you're saying, but what about the bullet? Yeah. I think if that bullet passes the plane using that same analogy, then it's yeah, that bullet is on private land for however long it takes to travel across. But so do it, private laws apply to bullets? I would think so because the bullet came from some from an operator, right? From somebody making the decision to to shoot across that private land. Jimmy Dorn? Um, well, depends. <laughs> Like everything else in life, I don't know. I've spent, I suppose, looking at it from both sides of the uh, the question. If you know, if I'm the private landowner, am I going to want somebody throwing an ot six around across my property? Probably not. Yeah, but we're not asking you what you want. We're asking you, is it? Well, I kind of try to quiz test. I answer it. If, if I was the guy and I was in that situation, I would put myself in the other guy's shoes and go, "Eh, that might piss me off." Or, you know, how big is it? You know, what's the ramifications <clears throat> of my decision making? I don't know. I would say it's probably not kosher, and I'd try to figure out a way to just get around the private. Is that the answer? That no, Jimmy, not really. Jimmy's answer is predicated on how big the elk okay. is on the <laughs> right. Whether yeah. you ask for permission or forgiveness. That's right. Uh, right. It's right. a lot easier to ask for permission in my experience. Uh, speaking of that, real quick, can, we, can you talk about the – the the guy you uh, harvest wheat for and what happened with that buck on his property? It was property? a buddy of mine. It was not the, not the guys that I work with. Oh, I've been telling that story all around. That's great. Yeah, he caught somebody. Uh, yeah, sure, we can tell the story. I won't, tell it. I won't name names. Um, so it wasn't the guy you uh, assist with his agricultural operations? No, just a, another a buddy, another guy that lives in town. And, uh, yeah, there, he, you know, there was a few deer on his place that he had seen. And then, lo and behold, there was a pickup truck that didn't belong there, which is how anybody thinks you can get away anything past a farmer in their area. It's just stupid. Yeah. And you mean the, the fact that someone would think that he would not, that, not that it would notice. go unnoticed? Yeah, that yeah. it would go unnoticed. And then, you know, they had seen this buck, and it was an absolute monster of a deer. I'll show you a photo in a bit. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he hears bang, and he's like, wait a minute. 
And he's like, oh, because he thought possibly they were going to be hunting coyotes. Blouch. Blouch. And uh, he thought, and then where he heard it coming from, he's like, nope, I'm going to run over there and see if they just shot that deer that I was saving because he was actually saving it for his kid. And, of course, he went over there, and they were down the bottom of the coulee quickly field dressing it. And he went down and, you know, read him the riot act. And, uh, you know, and then they threw themselves on the sword. And he's like, oh, I didn't, you know, he started the story with he didn't think he was trespassing. <laughs> but, you know, he knew full well he was trespassing. And then it devolved into the, oh, that's the biggest year I ever saw in my life. I also hate telling stories like this, too, because, you know, it's like that told three stories down the line how all the facts kind of change. But anyways. Uh, so he tried out the idea that. He wasn't trespassing, and but he had to jump a fence, so it's kind of hard to say I didn't know that that fence wasn't there for a reason. So then it became, it was just so big. He's like, it, and then it devolved, yeah. And then, and, yeah, and the deer was so big, I don't know what happened, you know, and he's like, all right, we'll get the heck out of here. But then he called the sheriff and Fish and Game, and they came and they took everything and wrote him a bunch of tickets. And Fish and Game ended up with a big, really big deer. I guess one I've seen in the area in a while. <laughs> yeah, it was big. I don't want to tell too many details of this because I don't. It's best not. No, no, not your thing. A whole different story. Oh, okay. My brother. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he knows of him or knows knows him or knows of him. Mm-hmm. But there's a feller who poached a buck. Okay. And the buck got confiscated by the state fishing game agency. And the state fish and game agency, as they uh, often do, have it mounted, and they hang it in a game office, right? And you like a lot of times you go into game offices that, that I've, I've seen all over the place, and they'll have all these animals up, like, like like exemplary specimens, and with them is like the story of how they were confiscated, or whatever, hit by a car, mm-hmm. you know, poachers they caught. And this buck carries the name of the, that tells the story of the poaching case. Mm-hmm. My brother says that this guy is still so proud of that buck <laughs> that he takes friends down to fishing game, takes friends down to fishing game to show them the buck. He was okay with the fine. <laughs> That's great. Wow. He's like, matter of fact, I got a nice buck. If you'd like to take a ride uh-huh. <laughs> out to the fish and game it's agency, not in my shop, I can show it to you. Can't touch it. <laughs> yeah, they confiscated it, confiscated everything, and then wrote him a whole bunch of tickets. And then one of the fellows that was involved wasn't supposed to be uh, accessing firearms. And apparently he got in a bunch of trouble. So I love that. That reminds me of another great story. Yanni, were you the, did you meet this guy? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, then you tell me if you met him. I was talking to a warden who was watching one of those phony, um, one of those phony Alaska shows, Alaska hunting shows, and he's watching an episode, and there's a scene in there where they're going to go out and shoot some caribou, and the dad is making a big deal about how he's going to let his daughter do the shooting. And it just, the warden watching it just didn't, like, the, he, just, he just didn't strike me like the kind of guy who in this moment of cameras rolling and everything is not going to just want the glory. And it seems strange to him. And he said, I'm sitting there watching and I'm thinking, that guy's got to be a felon. 
and can't be on camera with that damn gun. Oh. And goes and turns it up and exactly right. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how'd you vote? No, or you don't know, or it depends or something like that? Shooting bullets I across was, private property? I say negative. No, I wouldn't do it. Uh, you're like you're not answering the question though. You the question realize is that. what exactly? Do I think is it's it or illegal? Is it not legal? Or, you, you're, you, yeah, I'm going to say that it's illegal. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yanni, I already know the answer, so I can't vote because I was on the email chain too. Legal. It's legal. Legal. No kidding. Really? Uh, yeah. But don't get excited, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal, but I don't know. I, that, I, was, I, was I don't think it's your. I don't think it's your airspace thing. Oh, okay. What is it? Just says it's not illegal. It's not unlawful. Now, I put this to a, an investigator in Idaho. Every state's different. So he says, I can only speak to here. He says, it's not unlawful to shoot from public to public over private. Really? Now, here's the doozy. Same fellow, the resident philosopher Lou Ryan, writes in to say this. You're in a state where you're not allowed to bait deer or put out mineral attractants. What's wrong, Fitz? I think I know where you're going with this, but oh, please! No, I just I, I it, shooting across state line where you can do that. No, 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 no. Okay. We're done with shooting. Oh, don't shoot! Okay. <laughs> we're on okay. debating now, Fitz. So, <laughs> yeah, this is that's a good one, though. I like that. Yeah. So you're in a state where it is unlawful to bait or use any kind of mineral attractant to hunt big game. But as anyone who's wandered around out in the woods knows ranchers who are running cattle have to put out supplements for livestock so here you have where a rancher has out a salt lick or a supplement lick for his cattle but it's illegal to put it out for critters and you realize that elk are in fact using this legally placed supplement. Are you allowed to shoot deer out? Doesn't matter. Are you allowed to hunt over that legally placed supplement, which was not intended as an attractant? To add a little flavor to this, I'll point this out. In states where you're not allowed to bait for bears, there's often a lot of questions around, what if I shoot an elk and I gut the elk? Or keep talking about elk. Let's say I shoot a deer and gut the deer. And then the next day I wake up and there's a bear eating the deer. And I shoot it. Have I baited bears? Or not? We can get to that. But it's, that's his color to this broader thing, the mineral lick thing. Matt? No, oh, me first. It's like a game oh, show. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting third base at the black you know, table. If you, you if know, you yeah, if you no, feel like you're being unfairly picked on. No, no, I, it, it's a challenge. Um, I don't know. So I, number one, I, I'm not sure actually the answer, but I would say that that is illegal. And I would say... I feel like when I've read regulations that talk about the legality of using bait, using an attractant, they talk about having it be illegal to hunt over bait. 
Like they, I don't think they talk about placing the attractant. I think they talk about it in terms of it being illegal to hunt over an, a, 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 a placed bait or mineral attractant, whatever. Well, okay. But I don't know. I that's, don't know. That's I, great. That's great. But I want to add this. Okay. Color on to the color. Okay. And the bear thing. If you're in a non-bait state, but there's a dead animal laying there, you could shoot the bear. Now, if you shot a deer and dragged that gut pile 10 feet over to get out in the little opening where you could spy on it from afar, that's baiting. So do you think if you, as long as you don't touch that mineral lick, as long as you did not manipulate it in any way. I know the answer. Ah, okay. I know the answer for the person I put it to in Idaho. Okay. I I would, I would just, but but bear in mind the stuff we're talking about, about like that you, um, yeah, that you shot a deer and the next day come by, there's a bear eating the deer. You didn't do anything to manipulate. Like you shot the deer legally, gutted the deer, left the guts where they were. A bear happens to turn up on it, right? I'm real hesitant about this one. I would, I would be inclined to say that's probably not legal. It's an artificial attractant. Doesn't matter who put it there. Okay, that's my guess. Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, I think I would guess the same. I don't know, but it seems that if there's going to be enforceable regulations, then and and agencies are not going to want to get into the matter of intention. Yeah. So I think that they would try to make it as cut and dry as possible. And if, plus, I think they would probably be relying on hunters, you know, understanding that that salt lick that was there for cattle is going to attract game. So it's the hunter's responsibility to, you know, resist that urge. But again, just a guess. You know what happened to me one time? I do. Well, a different time. <laughs> Not that time. You know, what you know what happened to you one time that you don't know what happened? I don't. I know you don't. I was, oh, funnily, yeah, I was in Idaho. And I was hunting with two other guys. And I didn't have a tag, but they did. And one day, it was raining real bad. And they didn't want to go out in the rain. So I went out on a little walkabout to see what I could see. And I get about two miles from our camp and lo and behold, I coming down this trail, like a seldom used trail, but I look and standing in a place that I was just not expecting to see it, where it felt extremely out of place. It's just a bull standing there looking at me. And like the first thing that struck my mind is like, like, you know, you in your head like how something's gonna happen. I just didn't like. It's just as rare to be walking down a trail and all of a sudden just a bull just like watching you, right? In a very like heavily hunted area. So I hauled ass back, got one of the guys, inspired him to. Then we go back and it's gone. But then I started thinking so much about what was that thing doing there, and I walked over and it was a lick, salt lick, it was a salt lick for livestock. Yeah, I'm swell. I actually had it in my head. It was like, a, like I said, not a heavily used trail. I kind of had it in my head that it might have been placed. Mm. Possibly. It just it wasn't like kind of like where you'd 
you know, usually you're going to put salt licks for animals kind of like in an area where livestock's actually going to hang around, mm-hmm. you know, shade trees out in like grazing areas, right? It just makes some sense. It just was not like a... <clears throat> and I think they're usually placed too in places where they're trying to congregate the animals, like by a gate, you'll put a bl- block so that, you know, when you come around a week later, you can then push the cattle through the gate. By a gate or by water or something it like just, that, It right? just, yeah, this just didn't look... Like, if I was ranching cattle, which I don't do, but if I was, and I was like, I'm going to go, you know, yeah. help the herd out with a lick, it's just I wouldn't go, like, dump it where this thing was dumped. Could have been a bad rancher. Yeah, he could have been not good at running cattle. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I could have very easily, had I been holding the tag, I would have shot the bull. Mm-hmm. And I would have walked over, and he'd have been laying on a salt, dead on a salt lick. You didn't see this. You couldn't see it when you first encountered the bull. No, I, I didn't see it until I walked... It was burning at me so much. Just something was so unusual about his position. Right. That I went over there, and sure enough, that's what was going on. So I could have, like, I would have, who knows? We haven't got to the end yet, so we don't know if I would have been an accidental poacher or not. Jimmy Dorn? Uh, I'm going to go with what Fitz said, too. I'd say it's Hunter's responsibility to know, and yeah, no, no bueno. Yes. In Idaho, it says. And Yanni, you already know because you read the email. Mm-hmm. Our friend Eric Crawford says, As for the salt baiting question, our rule states the following. This is in Idaho. No person shall take big game animals as outlined in this section with any bait, including grain, salt, in any form, liquid or solid, or any other substance, not to include liquid scent, to constitute an attraction or enticement. He says in Idaho, in Idaho, it would be illegal, never mind that it is probably an ethical fair chase issue as well. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Dogs, I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up 
Bubbly Doug's place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you, too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. Just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you can still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Deck is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. So there you go, Luke Ryan. They would have to prove the intent, though, right. like you were saying, because if you've never been to an area right. and you pop up there at first light and there's a herd and you knock one down and then you walk over there into the meadow and you realize that there's five salt licks. Yeah. How could it really be your fault? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking that one to court if I get a ticket. <laughs> yeah, and they'll call me for a witness and I'll be like, oh, Jimmy Dorn was talking all about this salt lick you found. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boat privileges have been there. <laughs> How he was going to act like he didn't know it was there. Yeah. <laughs> he had someone else order the mineral rock for him. Um, Giannis, to get back real quick, can you finish talking about, so you, so you went out and got this. Got a cow. Were you, guys hunt, you guys are hunting on public property, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a hodgepodge spot, but uh, I found the spot because I was deer hunting there a couple <laughs> years ago across the drainage. And, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And one, like, morning, the, like, across the drainage, it just sounds like a war zone. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. And I glass over there, and there's orange everywhere and elk flopping everywhere. And I'm like, man, should have been there, I guess, this morning, you know. And all day long from where I'm sitting, I can hear them, and I can see dudes with sleds and horses and in and out and working this trail. It's probably only, like, a mile and a half, you know, from the truck. And, uh by like midday they all leave they got their elk out and i continue to glass for deer and like at 3 p.m i glass back down to that meadow and there's cow elk filtering back out of the meadow mm-hmm. i'm like well, i don't know what's going on down there but i'm gonna go get sounds mine like <laughs> sounds like yeah. a salt lake down in there it's <laughs> so i came back the next weekend and uh they were right in there killed a cow and um so yeah a buddy of mine hiked in saturday morning and uh perfect morning man like just started snowing the night before and we had, we've had zero snow in montana and anything that we had is melted so we had probably two or three inches of fresh and uh 
We get up to where we should be able to see the elk and don't see him for about 10 or 15 minutes. Just long enough where I'm like, yeah, what's plan B going to be? Like, do we just go for the big power loop or are we going to turn around and go home? And um, right then and there, we're just kind of being dumb hunters. We're out on a pretty exposed ridge at this point and, you know, hands up our butts and or fingers up <laughs> really? our butts. And uh, You and what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> That's an expression. Oh, okay. Yeah. For not 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 paying attention, and I glass over, kind of just just out of my periphery where I w- really wasn't expecting him to be, just kind of into the trees a little bit. And there's a cow and a bull, which was the oddest thing, right? Because it's middle of December, and you're expecting to see like a minimum of a dozen cows together, right? And if you see maybe just an animal or two, it'd be like two bulls. But to just see a cow and a bull together hmm. struck us as odd. But uh, like yeah. they're actually in love. <laughs> like it's not just like for most elk it's just sex right, just september so no, that's a life partner issue there mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i didn't help that out <laughs> so he's back on the, back yeah, on the market yeah put him back on the market um but yeah we just snuck right in there and uh even i think season's been closed for three weeks now in montana and so i was expecting to have some chill elk and you know they'd be out feeding late snowy morning and man, this cow was definitely like moving towards the timber, moving towards the timber. And we had to hustle a little bit to get within rifle range before she got back onto private. So now, what was the dude you were hunting with doing? Just came along to hunt just to help you out. Yeah. Oh, he was hunting too. No, no, no. Sorry, just not hunt, not shooting, just hunting. We're and good enjoying the hunt. Yeah, it was perfect, man. We got her out in two trips. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It was, you know easy no it's I'm almost just like, too easy it's just i've just had my feelings hurt that i had to find out about it by reading a text chain between you and, and kevin murphy the world's greatest small game hunter mm, yeah well he was piling it on man that dude's been all across north america shooting birds oh, dude if you get into a text <laughs> message war with kevin murphy about who's been doing what yeah it's hard yeah. to come out on top yeah um fitzgerald mm-hmm. So you only get to be here because you only because you went on you finally after all the years I've known you no you could have been on because you're an avid angler right or an angler right I th- I think that would get me get me passage onto the show you could have been on because you're an angler but you only recently like why you only you went on your first hunting trip yep can you explain to me what uh, why like why not before but why all of a sudden now. Well, I, I actually did used to hunt when I was in probably like nineteen twenty, but it was like deer camp hunting up was north it? Michigan. My cousin owned a place like forty acres up in Fife Lake. Oh, dude, I know Fife Lake well. I know yeah. that's where Matt Dros lives. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I would go up there during the fall, you know, once one weekend of every fall, and try to go get a deer. In fact, the first time I ever went hunting. I was walking out to my tree stand, I had my rifle on my shoulder, and I was probably, it was like, you know, 4.30 in the morning, come walking around a bend, and there is an eight-point buck just standing right there, and my gun's on my shoulder. So I'm thinking like, man, this is, this is it, huh? This is easy. So I take the gun on my shoulder, and as soon as I do, the thing's gone. So I was the, like, well, I'm bound to see another one here soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then a life- I didn't see one in 20 years. <laughs> and then a lifetime passes. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a writer there's a gun writer david petzel um who ha- has a line where he says uh 
Now, Pestle, he's an interesting figure because he's like a gun-writing columnist. But he's also, but he's kind of like weirdly infatuated with like celebrity. Hmm. Who's famous? Do they deserve being famous? Stuff like that. And doesn't, isn't he the one that kind of plays like the grumpy yeah. gun writer? Yeah, like he, um, he has a, he has a, what one would call a shtick. Hmm. Which is probably Yiddish, right? I'm thinking so. He has a shtick of it being a, he's a grumpy guy. Like a grumpy old man. But he's aware of things that grumpy old men aren't aware of. Like he has big opinions about like Miley Cyrus. So like <laughs> the normal like grumpy old man that I know, if I went and said, hey man, uh, what's your take on what Miley Cyrus has been up to lately? They would look at you like, right? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> like, right? So it's like this weird grumpy old man thing where you're sort of like real hip to pop culture, but hate it. But you got a lot to say about it. Anyhow, he says, slings have saved more animals than PETA. <laughs> slings like? Rifle slings. Rifle slings. Oh, I, okay. You know, because you, I don't know if you remember your story you just told us a minute ago. I did. I forgot that uh, thing's called a sling. sling. <laughs> He's an outdoor life or field, who's field stream. Field stream. Yeah. 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 Very good writer. Who is, yeah. Very funny, but it's just like he's a it's a complex sort of things he's got going on. Like the the intolerant grumpy old man slash pop culture critic. Right. Which is actually like something you could really develop. I was, say, that's a real, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say it sounds interesting. We might want to see if we could get him on to talk about this. Yeah. I I would like that. Can you ask him if he just always carries his rifle like this, mm-hmm. just out in both hands? Yeah, slings save animals, but they save shoulders. I was going to say, they yeah. save arms, man. Like, what do you do when you're climbing around? I, I think know. that what I think that the real lesson there. Well, you know, you look at pictures of, uh, you know, this one help. You look at like the Africa guys, the 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 professional hunters, the PHs in Africa. They don't use slings. They always carry it over there. They don't carry their guns either. Well, no, the PH does. He'll have his gun over his shoulder, but mm-hmm. he's also 50 yards from the truck, mm-hmm. on flat ground. And there's a lot of dangerous stuff that can stomp you. But, I mean, you know, it's like he probably spin back around and set it on the truck. But, yeah, they don't use them for that reason. I think that you could be – Yanni is not – tell him t- – give everyone your t- uh, thoughts about slings, Yanni. Fitz, we're going to get back to you. Well, it's changed hardcore. over the years, but I went through a phase of not carrying one for that same reason. Because of re- I mean, readiness. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And cause I got it enough, guys. I mean, it only happened a handful of times, but and I would even be prepping them like, hey, we're about to come over a rise. Good chance there's going to be, you know, something ahead something of us here. At. Maybe you should be ready. And maybe I should have just said, take the gun off your shoulder and, you know, carry it in a field ready position. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah, we'd peek over and there's that bull looking at you and I'm like, oh, there he is. And, you know, as they get their sling off, he pieces out. So, but you know, one of the things we've gotten so kind of like paranoid about safety and stuff that I usually don't even have a round chambered. Mm-mm. So the the least of my problems is the, having the yeah, thing on right. my shoulder. I, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I never even considered it. Like I, I never considered the sling as being a, uh, having an impact on readiness. It, I, it would just never occur to me. It's pretty fast. It's, it's a good point, but... Uh, yeah, if you walked around with it up against your shoulder all the time, you'd like get a crack off I just, There's a time and place, you know? Like, I'll put it on my backpack if it's dark. 
don't yeah. really put on my backpack. Yeah, if it's I out, or there's feeling. any chance of seeing a critter. If my gun's on my backpack, it's because my tag is punched. Yeah, or it's yeah. pitch black. Right. I hate that feeling. But you got to be able to recognize, like, when you're sort of again to use my expression from earlier, but like kind of like diddly dialing and not paying attention, not haunting, and you're going down a trail and you just go, man, it's a good chance that something could be just Damn. standing here at any moment and get this rifle off your shoulder and just, like, remember, everybody taught, they taught that, what do they call that? It is called like the cross field body carry. field carry, right? Yeah. Uh, Stone, uh, Stone Glacier, they got the pack thing. You ever see this? Yeah, I have it. Everly stock that I just go like. No, 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 no that's not what theirs is. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like nah. a quick draw. Oh yeah, I can get. They that have one where you speed. hook it to your pack, mm-hmm. but there's this little tab, so it rides behind your shoulder. It's it's vertical. Your rifle's vertical behind your shoulder, strapped to your pack, like total hands free. There's this little tab that you can kind of like tuck into your shoulder strap or whatever, and when you pop that tab, it's like you're pulling a parachute. <laughs> You pop that tab and your rifle's free. Really? Yeah. Does it come down into like a like a field ready? No, it's like you pop it, then you kind of reach over your shoulder and grab the barrel or whatever, grab the stock or barrel over and just lift it out of the... I mean, I would like to see that work because yeah, I, dude, I, I have a hard time imagining that's... What is, why, how's that better than a sling? Yeah. It's not better than a sling. It's worse than a sling. Okay. Oh, I, I thought but you were arguing the other way. It's for having no total hands free. Okay. Well, okay. it's better in the sense that, like, even a sling requires some yeah, yeah. care, you know, every couple minutes. and So this back is, like, intermediate. It's either in your pack, yeah. and for all intents and purposes, you have no gun, yep. right? Yep. This is, like, halfway between. Yes. Okay. Okay. I got it. It's like, man, this is a long shit hike. Yeah. And I'm always whatever need my hands to take leaks and open gates and whatnot and you just put the thing on there and then but if i have to i'll pull that rip cord (laughs) i've done it and i keep my rip cord handy i haven't i've never had to do a quick release but so anyways fits there you are you never got a deer as a kid never got deer as a kid no hunting up fife light yep you guys hunting bait uh some years and then some years, no. Because your cousin. Mm-hmm. He owned a little piece of land, like 40 acres up there. And you had hunter safety. Yep. Yep. The other time that I went hunting, not that long ago, uh, up on San Juan Island with uh, Chef Andy, we were hunting those. Chef Poot. Chef Poot. We were hunting those. Uh, those are Columbia blacktail up there, right? So, we, you know, you can only use, use a shotgun on san juan so i had a shotgun and i had i was probably 50 yards from a a little buck and i had it lined up pulled the trigger gun misfired no yep wasn't user error no it's not user error. i swear to god and nothing took off so i need help man i'm here for help yeah well no because we're gonna get to your successful hunt I know, but I, I want to get a deer. I want to. In fact, yeah, hearing about Matt's, you know, elk hunt a couple weeks ago, I want to get over to Montana maybe in 2018 with your brother. You got inspired by that. I did get inspired by that. So did the firing pin just not hit? It must hard have. enough. It must have. It must have because yeah, because then we went somewhere else and you know I racked and shot it. We're fine. Hmm. I don't know. You guys tried to hunt deer on San Juan Island. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this was about five years ago. Oh, I do remember this. So, so you have dilly dallied. Mm-hmm. Yep. With hunting, I have. Now, I don't want to say where it was. We're going to say that you were just beyond the fact that it was in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Beyond the fact that it was North Dakota, um, don't get into any great spec- specifics. Gotcha. But talk about your impressions of turkey hunting. It was it was so fun. I mean, it was the most interactive kind of you know game experience I've ever had. I mean, with fishing. I, I I don't fly fish, so I know that's a lot more physical and interactive, and you're reading things differently. Oh, they'd sure like to think it is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, no, Fitz, Fitz, no, unless you want to go down a real <laughs> different path. You better, you, <laughs> no, yeah, I've done a bu- yeah, sure. I, yeah, I mean, so you know, with the, uh, walking out in the woods, looking around, making those calls, and then all of a sudden hearing that response. Is just one of the most exhilarating outdoor experiences I've ever had. And then, you know, posting up, putting decoys there, and then calling them in. And just watch, you know, the first day we were there only about four hours, and Matt called in a big Tom. And just to kind of see that thing, you know, 100 yards out coming in through the willow. And then all of a sudden, as he got closer, you know, big plume goes up. I mean, it's just one of the most exciting things I've ever seen outside. And that, really? that was, and Pooter got him. So then the next day we went out early in the morning and same kind of setup, just walking around the woods, got a call, posted up. Like you heard the, yep. Yep. And it didn't take long either. You know what they call that? They call that spring thunder. Spring thunder? Yeah. <laughs> what do they call it in the fall? <laughs> they, don't, they don't got one. Well, I mean, some dorks gonna write in about how they do gobble in the fall and they do <laughs> but not like they do in the spring not like in the spring they're fired up yeah as they, they gobble in the spring as will primo says they're out there saying um this is my time of year mm. in the spring yeah yeah it was it was incredible it was incredible yeah i got a jake the next day it was also the first time i've ever seen a turkey fly that was interesting they're impressive really impressive were you aware that they could fly i knew they could fly what are they like a gallinaceous bird mm-hmm. right and Good, I, fits. I knew they could fly but i they can't fly long right they don't fly long distances but just to see them fly like they were they were more, much more agile than i than i would have expected yeah i would never accuse them of loving to fly yeah yeah but yeah, powerful flyers yep i mean as far as just like the amount of energy and noise and just like uh yeah, when they take flight, it's not a subtle thing. No, well, you know, you know when you like flit. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're like walking through the woods and a, and like a, a grouse will scare you to death. Yeah, like a turkey is would would put you in your grave. Yeah. I mean, they they the um, it sounds like somebody's shooting at you. You know, when the, one of those things takes off. You know, I, my, me and my boy were out. Uh, Jimmy were out there on Sunday. Went out, take, took a little look for some small game, and he had his first getting the shit scared out of him by a rough grouse. <laughs> by a rough grouse, yeah. yeah. But it, it blew out of a tree about head high. But still, same effect. It's super surprising. <laughs> like, yeah. ah! you know, like, what the hell's that? <laughs> so that? So here it comes, and you level off on him. Mm-hmm. Well, that Jay got in close. He was in, God, probably, I, I mean, it seemed like 10 yards. He was, right, he was right there. Maybe even closer. I mean, he was, he was super close. 
and uh, coming right up to that decoy. And so this is the first time you've ever fired a shot because you've tried. One, you screwed up because you're sling. Yep. Then you had your... You, you, I tried. I would argue that you did something wrong with your shotgun. <laughs> I, would, I, I would respectfully disagree, but I, uh, no way to can, tell. Can we back up to the shotgun question real quick? I don't want to dwell. Did you look at the primer? Was the primer dimpled? God, I was going to ask that too. Was there a strike mark on the primer? Yes. Oh. There was. All right. Yeah, but, right. no pop, fact, but no pop. No pop. Not even a. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Well, you know what's funny? We were muzzleloader hunting this year in, in Maryland, and I heard a guy off in the swamp have a. Have or just a cap. Have just. Uh, the, either the pan or the cap, depending yeah. on what type. It's like, you know, you're hearing like now and then, like, boom. You know, this thing's loud, right? <laughs> it's like a real, like. And also, way off the swamp, you're. <laughs> where the guy's cat went off and it did ignite yet yeah, it was like prime time it was like this dude was shooting at a Ugh. this dude was definitely shooting at a deer it was so. like he was just getting rid of the primer <laughs> yeah so um any feelings of remorse or anything like what was no, your uh, emotion no. pure pure exhilaration just uh, you know well i was nervous because i was like all right i felt like the the, the 20 year weight of history on my shoulders right because i've had two like you know two experiences do you just refer to it as your slump buster yeah yeah i would yeah for sure yeah i will now for sure but yeah it was uh i mean no it felt it felt incredible it was, it was wild like how active that bird was after it gets shot oh just you know i mean they don't just fall flailing, over and be like oh you got me flailing and then you know i was with matt and we ran over there and he basically jumps on the bird <laughs> yeah and pushing all the air out of it i guess is that what he's doing yeah yeah and uh, yeah, no, no feelings of remorse at all. It was, it was, it was, yeah, one of the most exciting outdoor experiences I ever had. You probably realize this, and it might be counterintuitive to some folks, but that flailing is a is a way for you to see just how dead it is, hmm. because like the more you know, for people who have a turkey hunt, when you shoot a turkey, you're shooting it generally like if you hunt with a shotgun you're shooting it in the head with a shotgun mm-hmm. and well when you chop the head off a chicken i don't know if anybody's ever chopped the head off a chicken yeah fly around they go crazy yeah so when you see that like really just explode like fluttering and jumping around i don't look at that and be like oh he's gonna get away yeah it's more like oh man he's deader than dead yeah I would prefer it though because they do sometimes just fold their together. wings up and just lay over. I like, like oh, they, it. You don't like, always get a flop. Sometimes oh, okay. they do just kind of just literally fold their wings and tip over. Really? And but because uh, a couple of times I have seen it where it's like the flop and they keep getting a little farther away and they flop and they get well, a little farther away and know. then all of a sudden they're flopping but they're on their legs <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh yeah. shit, yeah. shoot again. No, any yeah. flopping. That is them going whatever they're doing, but they're going the other way. I take that as a very bad sign. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. That's different than what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about, is that because they haven't? Been, it's not a clean. Well, hit? he's got a what? Okay, like, but I don't imagine feel a like 360 it. degree circle. What are the? There's right a 360 degree circle, and if he's picking that like 15 degree band that's directly away from me, mm. I'm like that feels to me like um sure he could be doing a general flop right or there could be more to this and the fact that he's coincidentally chosen the opposite direction to do that in 
I get like real nervous. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they look that different for a second. You know what I mean? They like, don't. That's what I'm saying. My like, general por- yeah. protocol is like pull the trigger, <laughs> and as soon as he's like flopping or whatever's going on, I'm up on my feet and yes. gaining some ground. Yes, unless yeah. it's just you'll never be glad that you didn't run over there. Yeah. There's no like pro to not running over there. Mm-hmm. All I'm really trying to say is birds flop around a whole bunch, mm-hmm. as evidenced by if you've ever dispatched chickens. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he's like kind of still alive. That's all. Yeah. But it, no bad feelings. Nope. Nope. It did surprise me the day before when Pooter got that Tom, how fast Matt was running towards that bird once Pooter shot. Like exactly like you say, Giannis. Like he was sprinting to that bird. So that surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. But I lost a turkey once. Hit him. Assumed that he was down. Yeah. And didn't get over there fast enough. And we were on a very steep slope. And he pitched off that slope and just vanished. Really? You couldn't even begin to go look for him. What was down the slope? Like a thicket? No, it was a big mountainside. Oh. Oh, jeez. And he like went down. I was like, oh, I got a turkey. Thing took two steps. And it was a steep pitch, like I said. Took two steps, pitched off that hill. And it was just gone. Hmm. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder, so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. 
Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know. They seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Decked is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck out of the way and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Oh, now, having one time. I've seen one shot that covered ground faster than anything I've ever seen. Like my buddy Eddie shot two and the second one was only winged or whatever and that thing vanished. I mean, it. I saw it running, and we couldn't throw down on it. And I was just like, I was pretty impressed with you know, its, gone, its gone. track abilities. I mean, that thing was, yeah, toodles. <laughs> what? You never found them. Never found it. No, did not. Yeah. Looked and that could be just, you know, miss aim. Because if you don't hit him in the head or the neck, and mm-hmm. you just body shoot him, and you just get that big puff of feathers, mm-hmm. I mean, you might have a few pellets that weave their way in there, but a lot of times not lethal. Fitz, will you field questions about your wife? Uh, yeah. Can I hear some first before I decide? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, fair, dude. That's your, fair. Wife, your wife eats seafood. She does. Doesn't like red meat. No. Nope. Would she have eaten the turkey you shot? Probably not. The only time she's eaten meat in the last 15, God, 15 20 years was in Montana when we were helping out at your brother's wedding making all that elk ravioli. And she accidentally ate one? No, nope, she, she's like, I guess maybe just, we just worked too hard in that kitchen, and she's like, screw it, I'm going to eat one. Really? Yeah, she did. She liked it. But I don't think she would eat the turkey. But she likes to eat fish. Yep. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think is going on there? <laughs> I understand it. Yeah. I mean, not, not, yeah, it's like, you know, I've known people like that my whole life. She's known at a very young age that meat was not for her. Like, she was a kid, you know, who was complaining to her parents about anything that was meat at the table and it was just a you know it's just it's just a essential part of who she is meanwhile you have a shirt on that's a meat chart of a cow mm-hmm. i like meat <laughs> so uh you feel that the turkey wasn't gonna it probably wouldn't no i probably wouldn't do it maybe if i got a bigger animal maybe really? maybe maybe i mean she's eating elk so so do you picture now that you will go on more outings, more hunting trips? I would like to. Yeah, I would definitely like to. Um, I, you know, part of the reason that I haven't done it regularly is that I've, I feel like I've always kind of been a little out of my element doing it. You know, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't have like a you know, brother who took me hunting or anything like that or even friends until I met you guys, really. And uh, so I, you know, it wasn't something that I felt I had a lot of agency to do on my own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like you ever play poker or blackjack at a, at a casino? Yes. 
And well, no, because I feel too out of my element. Exactly. Like, you don't want to <laughs> screw up everybody else's, you know, game, right? And I kind of feel, I, I, I felt like that way for a long time about hunting. I don't want to go out there and mess up somebody else's situation. Yeah. That's a good analogy, man. Because I like to play uh, blackjack. Or used to not like to play, but we'd play blackjack yeah. at $2 tables. Because mm-hmm. you go there and everybody at the table sucks. Right. But then when you go on your with serious players, right, you become like very self aware. Yeah. Is anybody and good again, at blackjack? Like how do you know. say like all oh, these guys suck? <laughs> suck at what? Okay, okay. Deciding yeah. if you hit or stay? No. And <laughs> that they have like real set opinions about stuff. About what you stay on, what you So write. like you could be playing blackjack, and I'm not like Dr. Blackjack, but there are people who are f- suspicious enough or irrational enough. To be that if you took a hit that's illogical, that you have disturbed the cosmos yeah. and have robbed them of the card that would have been theirs, and they will be mad at you. Yeah. Okay. Because if you knew okay. what you were doing, you'd have known to never take that hit. Therefore, you have offset this thing that was in motion between the stars and the yeah. universe so, and that deck of cards. <laughs> so what you're saying is those are tables like it's not that the people suck. It's that the odds that somebody's going to come play at that table who sucks and messes it up for everybody else are just higher. Like it could, it, you could have people. I mean that when I sit down, if I was to go sit at one of those tables and I have to go to Las Vegas every year for work. Yeah. One, and I always really bad want to do it. You want to go play blackjack? I'm, yeah, but I'm like <laughs> Fitz where I feel like I will take too long. Mm. I don't really understand when to do what. That I'll have some irrational blowhard get like pissed about something I did, and and it, and it, because it doesn't really really mean that much to me, I just sometimes don't unless I see a table where no one's there or I'm with a couple buddies of mine. Like last year, me and Yanni threw down for a long time because we just had our own little scene yeah we had the whole table well maybe five out of six spots yeah we had like five or six guys that we all knew each other and so we could go play and i didn't need to feel like i was like inserting myself into this this thing that was going on my unprofessional to get good eventually like you're watching the cards so much that you sort of in a way start to count cards yep right to where you kind of know what's been coming out, and so you're sort of like yeah, but how many decks is it? But no, it's like six decks. I mean, you can you can get in trouble for counting cards if they. But you can go play at Binion's or go play in some of the old school casinos, and they'll play single deck blackjack. That would be different, and I would totally allow different. that. That would be very. I'll have a higher minimum bet. Are you a big blackjack player? No, I play poker. You do? Yeah. yeah. House odds are bad, but if you're playing against another player, I just don't. Yeah, I like poker a lot. Do you win a lot of money at poker? No. No, I don't. I haven't played in quite a while, but I played a little bit. It's fun. Why? Why do you like uh, professional football? What? Wow, that's a jump. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've always because they don't I played, know you, they don't like you, they don't, don't live. They're not from here. I was born. I've been playing football since I was, you know, a kid up yeah, until but I was like, dudes, They're not from here. He's trying to explain. So he called me and asked me to go fishing. On a night there was a Seahawks game. I'm like, no, I'm going to the football game. And he, and he could not wrap his head around the like, fact watch it, just that I wasn't going to go fishing. I, I was going to go watch, watch it football. tomorrow in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's an affront to his yeah. sensibilities. I don't know. I just, I've always loved football. I get, I'm emotionally invested. I mean, in people that you don't know, you know, who are just, I played team sports all the way through college. I mean, I, I just, I've always been attracted to, to it. And 
I know I never you're was right. able to play at that level, but yeah, I know you're right and I'm wrong because everybody likes sports. So you're wrong, <laughs> Jimmy. Yeah. I I would feel remiss if I didn't stick up for you a little bit here because <laughs> I don't even have like I didn't grow up watching football and I I never played it, but I like it now <laughs> as an adult. I like watching football. I have a team that I hope wins. I hope wins a game. I can't explain it. What team is it? It's the Green Bay Packers. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. They're pretty good. Yeah. Why those? Because you're not. You're from Oregon. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I, 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 can't, I can't leave Jimmy to have hung out to dry because I'm. I'm even Dude, less you rational. You and everybody on the planet. <laughs> I know. I know. So I've had a guy, another friend of ours got into watching football, and he's like, because I hate TV so bad, I find myself that I'm in front of a TV. It's the it's the most genuine seeming thing to me. The football? Like watching the game? It just feels like you're actually watching something genuine. Mm. Yeah. It was an early childhood. Like thing. it's like honest and genuine. Mm-hmm. It's a contest. I mean it's but you're right. I mean they don't know you. They don't you know. I, I can't even explain it. But I do recognize now as an adult that I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, for me, it's just always been there. Corn, like Cornhusker football on Saturday mornings is one of my earliest memories. <laughs> I was probably four, you know. So Cornhuskers like the hand lotion? No. That's nice. <laughs> You're funny. Man. No, you just pissed off everybody in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a team called you, the Cornhuskers? Yeah. Nebraska yeah. Cornhuskers. Where from? Go Big Red. <laughs> really? A professional football team? No, no, no. College. Oh. College football. All right. Well, I don't feel so bad about not knowing about them. Mm. Um. Okay, now, Jimmy Dorn, can you lay out uh, your – can you explain a little bit about your Oregon hunting? Sure. It was easy. It was great. What, the trip, the hunt itself? Yeah, just kind of how it goes down. Um, my buddy's got a great big place. And, and you know this around. guy how? I met him. Russ. I met him at your restaurant. Yeah, I, I was 10 in bar, and this is probably in like the mid-'90s. I was still 10 in bar before I owned the place, and uh, – he came in with another buddy of mine, and uh, we started talking about fly fishing. And then it was, "Hey, you want to go fishing?" And we've been f- good friends ever since. And a uh, bunch of trips, and I guess <coughs> I want to say around two thousand or something. His dad uh, bought a great big, huge place, uh, kind of by Fossil, Oregon, cattle, cattle ranch. Uh, it the the previous owner did graze cattle on there. Um, there's some light ag, there's some wheat, and there's some hay and stuff there. But it was just mostly recreational. John, but someone remember. still runs cattle out there, don't they? They do. Oh. He has a he has an agreement with his neighbor that uh, we can hunt on his property if we allow them to graze cattle on his. So it's kind of a good, you know, it's a good handshake deal that's that's lasted quite a long time. And uh, so we get to you know just so more, just that, more that, that that's the deal. That is the deal. He, the he, grazes, he grazes your buddy's land, and your buddy gets to hunt his land. That's correct, yes. That's pretty nice. And it's a great spot. I mean, the John Day River runs right through the middle, smack dab through the middle of it. So there's fantastic smallmouth fishing in steelhead right now and um, every kind of bird you wanted to shoot, more or less, uh, and fantastic elk hunting. Up there waterfowl. There's chucker. There's a couple pothole ponds, so there's ducks you can shoot for sure, not as many. I mean, you walk down and pop a couple in the morning. That's about the extent of your day. I um, mean, jump shoot them. Um, a lot of times you can, they'll actually, you can push them back and forth if there's actually yeah. between the holes. Have you guys done that where you go in? We used to do that in stock ponds now and then. Instead of going in there and trying to kick them off and take a shot, mm-hmm. just kick them off, throw two decoys out, and hide. And wait. Yeah, and they'll come back. Because a lot of times they won't even leave. Yeah, they'll you won't even lose sur- track. Yeah, You'll sur- see them circle and way out. Yeah. 
And then like all those dudes are gone now. So I was in but the truck like and they're not. What's that? I said, but they're not gone. No, <laughs> they're hungry. They're here, right? Um, just a uh, pretty easy two hundred yards uphill shot. One just came around the bend. It was skylit, perfect, beautiful, perfect, symmetrical four point buck, and it took one look at me, and that was the end of that. So it was just it was really easy. It dragged it downhill. I mean, it was like one of the most. There wasn't a pack out. It was a. 150 yard downhill drag to my truck and then strung it up it was great so do you feel that, that kind of that hunting down there is making you pretty soft i would 100 percent agree <laughs> yeah it's making me a little bit softer <laughs> i had occasion to go out on a high buck hunt in the Pesaton at the beginning of the season and i was a little unprepared and i was a little disappointed in my level of being a bitch to be honest on some of it we got there and i had kind of misread a forecast and you know probably good idea to look not the valley floor but actually where you're going to start going in and uh, we rode horses in like 16 miles way back in there and i'd kind of not I, i'd read the brochure and whatnot and the outfitter was just great people and but you know it was they kicked the wall tent off the off the side of the mules and they we got in late and they so had it was a drop-off hunt drop hunt yeah so you, you you hired an outfitter to pack you in yeah but then he just drops you off pretty in, much good looking country and then you're like to see in a week and uh 16 you know, mile ride 16 miles in yeah and i hadn't ridden a horse and i mean i had ridden a horse fairly recently but not that far it just i was surprised where i hurt the next day yeah your buttocks region my knees was the weird thing oh, I, even right. I, yeah in yeah. uh but we woke up and I was with my, a really good friend of mine, Henry, who just was amped about the whole deal. And it just, man, I woke up cold and I thought I read cot, not bring a cot. I read there was you a cot. You saw the word cot. You saw the word cot. Yeah. <laughs> so the setting up the tent and they had had this big burn ban. And the whole hunt kind of came off late because uh, the area was closed and the outfitter really had to put the screws to the forest service to get them to let them go back in there. They fl- closed it for fire season for yeah, fire reasons. Yeah. And they were, they were the, whole, the whole, they had closed the whole wilderness area. And anyway, so, you know, nothing was set up. We kind of got in. There was a burn ban, so we weren't allowed to make a fire. And then, you know, it was it was really, it was pretty cold the first day. You're sleeping on the ground. and Dude, you sound awful right now. Yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> super jacked. I mean, I, whatever. Really? Just like you're that soft from this Oregon private. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's accumulation of a lot of us. Uh, so, so what wound up going on there? What happened? Were you guys oh, seeing big giant bucks running around none. everywhere? Didn't see a buck. Saw about 15 does total. Saw one spike, but it's a three-point minimum. How, like if you had to, on a sliding scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. how hard were you hunting? Uh, I would say about a nine. I mean, you had to do, you know, you've 2,000 vertical to get to where you wanted to glass. So you had to get up in the morning and do that in the dark. And then the second day, it snowed nine inches. So throw that into the mix. How many hunt days did you have? Six. And you stuck it out for six hunt days. Well, it was either that or walk 16 miles out of there. <laughs> made you know and i actually had all that's the funny thing too i'll admit it but like i had all my shit packed and i looked at it on the map and the whole area part of it is the pacific crest trail and i knew where my truck was and i got to thinking because my feet my feet got wet on the second morning and they didn't dry out and we kicked the whole no fire thing to the we we're like was like, nine inches of snow on the ground i'm quite just- pretty sure i'm like if they want to write me a ticket i'll go to court on this one and uh you know we made a fire got kind of comfortable but 
you know, I didn't really get warm for about a week. You're did, sleeping- did you guys have a wood stove? No. No. But a wall tent with no stove? Yeah, we weren't allowed to bring in a stove. Oh, I see. Because of the ban. So it was just kind of all thrown together at the last second. And my buddy Henry's really super just nice guy, resilient. He really tolerated me being a shithead for a couple of days because I'm sure I wasn't too fun to be around. <laughs> but it was up and down. I mean, it was, according to my iPhone, it was you know 80 stories a day. <laughs> and it's <laughs> straight up looking around, freezing your ass off for six hours. And I got good at taking a nap when I was cold. But it was great. It was, you know, it was a hard hunt. Um, ridiculously beautiful place i'm going back but there you sure go that's as, spirit man i'm sure is that gonna be well you know i'm eating bring a mount- cot bring a cot yeah well i'll bring a cot and <laughs> i had also misread i thought it was 50 pounds of gear per person so i got like mountain house and my jet boil and this other group of hunters came and they literally brought like a rv's worth of shit like they had boxes and you know eight days worth of f- prep food and coolers and pack-alongs and you know, I had my one little the outfitter, the outfitter looked at me, dro- and, and he dropped those guys off on top of your camp. No, he dropped us first, and that's another reason why he just the wall tent went off. Here you go, because it was <laughs> getting dark, and they had another f- uh, three and a half miles to go. So we were hunting in this one big basin, and they were in the next. So there's just only two groups, and normally he has like six or seven groups. So okay. it was beautiful. And it was, I mean, it was worth every penny, and I'm gonna do it again. And uh, you know, I've apologized to my buddy a bunch of times for. Did you guys both have tags? Oh, yeah. Did you kill, kill one? No, no. We didn't. No, you just said you never saw anything but a spike. Yeah, the, those guys. The, dude, the Washington High Buck Hunt man. The more I talk to people about it, and even your stirring, inspiring story there. That <laughs> um, <laughs> was in get, Oregon. No, no, it was this was oh, in Washington. This is the first. Is this the same one that Carmen was talking about? Well, yeah, in that, it's an early season high buck hunt. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm going to get way... I'm going to become like Joe High Buck. I think I'm going to change my name to Joe High Buck. You're funny. I am so fired up about the high buck hunt. I'll show you where I went, and I, there's no way that you don't love it. It is just absolutely beautiful. Like, ridiculously gorgeous, and there's tracks, and I'll go with you. Dude, you, you know teach what? Me something. I'm glad you're still doing that because I'm starting to feel that, um, like the Oregon private land hunt you go on, as fun as it sounds, it just seems like it's going to make a spoiled brat out of you. Nah, I went to Montana as well, and that was legit. I mean, there's some walking around. At least, you know, it wasn't nearly as easy. So, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to go to this place in Oregon. It's just lousy with deer. I mean, there's yeah, it's hard to not go. It's yeah. No, I'm going to go as long as they keep letting me go. Yeah. There's a lot of public land hunters out there who hunt public land because they don't have any better options. Right. There's a ton of public like a land rare also dude, right next to this. There's a rare dude who goes to the – like who could go to like a gravy spot but chooses to go to a shit spot. Uh, I agree. That's a rare man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky to get to go there. They're the nicest people and, uh, you know, fortunately get to shoot stuff most of the time or at least see stuff, you know. So um, Montana was really good to me again this year, so I had, I had tags and – Oregon and I bought tags in Montana. Tag in Washington. Tag in Washington that's soup. And uh just because to be honest, the freezer's full and I didn't really feel the that was an okay tag to burn because it was forty bucks. Mm-hmm. But you don't burn Montana or Oregon when you're talking six bills or whatever. You gotta have something to show for it. Yeah, I'm gonna put a little bit more effort into that for sure. So 
Montana was fantastic this year. That was a good hunt with a good shot. And yeah. I'm going to tear that high buck on a new one, man. I'll, we're going to sit down and I'll show you I've maps. Been, I've been living here a couple years now and haven't gone. You're more than welcome to come along. I'm always running around doing all the junk. It's the 15th. It's right in the kill zone for you, right? It's the 15th of September to the 25th. Yeah, it's like the, the time when there's the most stuff to do. Right. What, it what's overlaps the, what's, elk as well. What's the elevation for that out here? Went in at 77 and I got as high as... I want to say tickling 9,000, but don't quote me, quote me. I well, know you got to be wrong there because you said he rode in for 16 miles and you climbed 2,000 vert, vertical from your tent. You'd been up on the top of Everest by then. Well, we did passes. We went oh, over three different passes to get to where we were hunting. I got you. Which I thought caught you in a lie. No, no. no. Not fibbing. <laughs> gotcha journalism. I won't lie. How many people listen to this? How many emails you get if I lie? <laughs> <clears throat> What uh? What the guy charge you to <laughs> ride you in? Eight hundred bucks. Hmm. Eight hundred oh. bucks. And you got a for you the get, two of you. You got a tent out of the deal. Yeah. Pretty much. I think it would have been a little bit more coasty. Like I said, it was closed, and he wasn't allowed in there. And we got like the eleventh hour call to go. I should also segue with the whole story started with I thought it was done. I thought we weren't going. I thought it had been canceled. I just assumed my deposit and my whatever would go for the next year. But I get like, and it was on the heels of a Seahawks game where I might have had a couple of beers. <laughs> they, uh, I Cause, get, the, I get the, you not to read the brochure. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I get the phone call. Hey, we're going. Like we're going like in a couple hours, and I'm like, I ain't going nowhere. I'm, what are you even talking about? It's canceled. He's like, nope. It's open. It's good. And they had to, you know, throw everything together when normally they would have had several weeks to prepare. And. Uh, so yeah, we, I, I show, got you. we showed up and he was still putting bridles on mules and stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't all the way dialed and we left it. We started in at one o'clock when we definitely should have been starting in at about eight 30 in the morning at the latest. So, I mean, it's just the whole thing was like, you know, we got there and of course the last two miles, you know, started raining like God was angry. I mean, it was just like, it was a cold wet from jump and you just, you know, I love it. Ah, you do. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes one of us. I like, I'm not, you know. Whatever. No, I mean, I love Nobody it. Nobody likes I don't love it. I just wet. love it all in hindsight. Yeah. Generally, I think we've had this conversation <laughs> yeah, where yeah. the ones that you remember are the ones that, you know, potentially suck the worst, but you wax, you know, nostalgic or reminisce about how awesome it was. Uh, the harder I work for it, definitely the better I feel if I'm successful. Yeah. When you're an old man. Getting there. So in a couple years, right. you're laying on your deathbed, yeah, dying. Right, you're not gonna be like, oh man, that one time, man, that was a short pack out, yeah. <laughs> hunting my buddy's place, yeah. cold beer in the yeah. cup holder. Yeah, no, you're gonna be like thinking back to that that mountain, mm-hmm. that rainy, snowy, mm. no campfire mountain. Yeah. I'll do it better next year. I'll definitely be better prepared. And, you know, I owe my buddy one because he definitely was very tolerant. So I, I want to go on the trip with you. I think you're, to to you, you are invited. I'll show you on a map. You'll look over at, the counter attack. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. And then finally, uh, Matt Moist, you had a harrowing trip. No, you don't think it's harrowing, though? No, not really. Not really. I mean, this would be the shortest story for sure. It's <laughs> I, 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 I hunted. It was hard. 
I did that for a while and nothing happened. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I'll recap it. Really? No, I mean, couldn't go where you wanted to go because yeah, there's so right. much snow. Yeah, we couldn't I'm, even approach it. Wow. Yeah, we weren't within. Uh, now, uh, don't take, don't say the spots. Don't even give like mountain ranges. No. Okay. Like it okay. Was in, um, <laughs> California. <laughs> it was the mountains. It was the mountains of North Dakota. Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, hunting yeah. North Dakota. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're right. So we had planned to hunt. Can I say the state? North Dakota. Okay. Um, where we had planned to hunt was inaccessible uh, because of snow. In the high mountains of. North Dakota. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Mountains of North Dakota. And so we ended up having to uh, pick another mountain range. But that wasn't, that didn't seem real detrimental at the time because we've hunted that mountain range before and, and, and plenty of animals, plenty of, you know, uh, that, that didn't seem like a limiting factor, you know. But uh, we just, just couldn't quite make it work. Animals, we saw animals the first two days of the trip. And in fact, hunting elk. Yep. Yep, hunting elk. Um, but just never never put it together. How far off were ones you were seeing? Um, like big balls three, of them? 300 yards. A, a, a guy, one of, one, of, one of the guys in our party missed a shot at like 275. I actually missed a shot on that trip. I heard about it. I missed those. a head shot on an on a elk. Which is dicey. Which is a terrible shot to have to take. And it was, it was a, you know, it's one of those where I thought, this is either going to go totally not my way or it's going to go my way. And, but, it, but it's a. Reminds as a, me of Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, if he hunted. Um, yeah. I mean, so it, it, was, it was a, you know, low percentage shot at something that, and, and it's one of those things like, I don't know how often you guys do this, but I'm always like replaying stuff in my head. You ever just like replay what happened and think about what oh, you should I have can't done? I have any energy or time in my day to go forward for all the I know. time I spent analyzing the past. I spent a full day thinking about how I should have done that different. Like what I could have done different that would have let me had a shot at the body of that elk and not a head was elk in behind a blow down timber and had me dead to rights. It's like, well, it's either, it's either, I mean, I was standing because if I bent down, she, her head wasn't even visible, you know? So it was, I mean, anyway, it's a bummer of a shot and I didn't make it. So that's even bigger bummer, but that was it. You know, that was the first, I guess that was the first day. And then after that, we just weren't, we just weren't into animals. You could see where animals had, pass through in in a you know migrating from from high to low but but we didn't see any of a move like being pushed down by the snow i think so so the first there was a lot of snow and and the first um the two days before we got there and the first day we were there there was quite a bit of snowfall and 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 you could you could see animals moving we would be uh like before light the first day we drove past a string of cow elk that was probably, you know, they were, they were nose to butt for probably most of a mile. Traveling. Yep, traveling. You know, like they like to travel kind like of at the dark. From, you saw them from a highway. Yep. Yeah. So driving in, 
we saw a, a you know on private. Yeah, yeah, all low down in on the, the on the, the farm on the great know. ranch land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ton of elk, and actually, even from up in the mountains, you could you could glass way down and just pick out hundreds of them in the flats. But they're so far. I mean, they're thousands of feet below you, or yeah. I'm guessing, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we just you know, n- no one in the party ended up getting an elk. So and how many miles are you guys walking every day? I'm not very good at counting. Um, I don't know. You'd probably have five or six mile days, yeah. I guess. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to guess. I used I mean, to hunt with a guy who uh, had grown up in a city, and he would always talk about blocks. Oh, really? Just he put would, it into... He would oh. be like, he, even with caribou, would you think of like, Anyone looking at a caribou would have no idea about a city block, but he would talk about it's probably like he'd be like, "There's a I saw a bull probably three blocks away." <laughs> wow, that's crazy! <laughs> wow, kidding, that man. is crazy. And the distances he walked, he would give you in blocks. It's about seven hundred and forty-two blocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm bad at judging that, but you know, it was it's challenging country. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, it's either up or down, you know, if, if it feels like so. And you're walking in snow. Yeah, there was uh, six or eight inches of snow. That adds to it for sure. It does. You know, I've gotten better at that in my, in, later in life, though. Better at what? I've gotten better at being uncomfortable. Huh. Yeah. I was not good at that as a young person. It's I learned I'd skill, I'd a, man. I had a real problem with it. And now I've, I feel like I can just kind of chill out. It's like, yeah, I know. This, this sucks. But... You know, yeah, being okay with trudging. Yeah, I, I I was not good at it. I I really wasn't. I mean, you've known me for twenty two years. I, but I never knew he has. I never thought of he has a cupcake. Eh, I did. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's like this, I, I was fine with this hunt, and actually, I wasn't even super bummed out to not get one. I mean, I I just felt like, uh, <laughs> that's what an elk tag is, man. You you. <laughs> You know, dude. If, if you, if you look, went up and just plug one every at, time, I yeah. But you go look at success rates. If you go look at non-guided, non-resident elk success rates, they hover like around ten percent. Wow. Well, I'm in the ninety. I can tell you that for <laughs> for this year. Yeah. No. I, it's it, and I. No. I'm. I. I was okay with it. I mean, it would. You know, anytime you're successful when you're hunting, it's a, it's a, it's a thrill. It's still a thrill for me anyway to to be a successful hunter. But I think that not having success is it's like weirdly also poignant. And and it didn't it didn't it didn't bum me out. I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird thing. Man, you've like, like really arrived at like yeah. a no, it's like, like a mature <laughs> yeah, like a zen no, type locale, no, no, man. No. That is one thing that's absolutely no. Next year I'm getting next year I'm getting two mule deer tags. I'm killing something. Yeah. <laughs> next year I'm putting in for mule deer doe tags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it used to bum me out. I mean, for myself personally, when I was a kid, if I didn't get something, that was a failure. And now just being there is yeah. success. So to yeah. me, it depends a lot on what's going on in the old freezer. Yes, that's a good point. Right. If I'm sitting on a if I'm sitting on a couple freezers packed full, I get real non not nonchalant, but I get real interested in seeing my buddies find success. Mm-hmm. Then it's fun. That's fun for me then. Mm-hmm. But if I'm kind of like really weighing out, just like uh, wanting to have the wanting to have the jam packed freezer full of meat, then I get a little bit fussy. Mm-hmm. 
where I become less interested in my body's good times. Got you. You know, in a weird way, I think being like, so, uh, you know, I don't hunt that much. I mean, I, you know, I really don't with, with career and, and family and kids. Like I'll, I'll do sort of probably one good hunt like that every year. Yeah. And maybe I get to do some in-state stuff and, you know, goof off. But, um, I feel like in a certain way, hunting less ah, is not made me care less, but enjoy it for its like experience more. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not so outcome driven as when I hunted more. Like when, when you were carefree when I was, and would go all the time. When I was younger, I would actually I would hunt more. I'd be more miserable, or at least wallow in it, and I would care more whether I was successful or not. And that's interesting. Man. Yeah, I know. I don't understand it either, but it's true. So now, older, more seasoned, more responsibilities. You're willing to go out there, enjoy the sucky aspects, yeah, and not fixate on the success thing that you used to be pushed by. I guess so. So you used to be like, I hate being uncomfortable. I really want to get something. Maybe I really wanted to get something so you could get home. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that might Maybe. be. Maybe. The know. only way to get out of here, <laughs> the only way for me to get out of here and save <laughs> face if, is to be able to get if something. If I don't feel this tag, man, I'm going to have to be out here forever. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Uh, Jimmy Dorn, can I ask you about one last, last thing? Related? Sure. You were upset when, the, when Chris Cornell from Soundgarden died. Can you talk about that? Sure. Oh, man. Why'd that upset you? I just, I don't know. I met him when I was, you know, oh, you young. We're about the same age. Oh. And I think we discussed it pretty well. Like, I just can never wrap my brain around what, in my opinion, is a temporary problem with a obviously permanent solution when somebody does that. Suicide. Not to, yeah, you're like, man, just call somebody something. Like, geez, there's so, that's so much what, that's left to offer. That's what spoke to you about that. Well, that, you know, there's two different ways. You know, I get pissed. I'm like, oh, what? You know, too many pers- you know, too many private jets and you're tired of those five-star hotels? Like, what's going on here? Most people, you know, large percentage of humanity would be, feel pretty good about the situation he was in. And, but, you know, I've never understood. Like, I mean, I really liked him and obviously loved the music a lot. And you're just like, dude, why would you just not just call somebody? I don't know. It couldn't have been that big of a deal. Couldn't have been in that big of a deal that you're done and you just couldn't wait till tomorrow and vow oh, tomorrow's going to maybe be better or something. I don't know, man. Try to stay optimistic. But yeah, that was definitely a. Yeah, that one sucked. That really bummed me out. There's so many good musicians. There are lots that of just them. just kill themselves, man. I don't get it. The guy, I used, you know, the Mark Linkus from mm-hmm. Soundgarden, mm-hmm. or not something, no, Sparkle Horse. Uh huh. Mm. Uh-huh. We talked Shot about himself with a shotgun in the chest. Oh, jeez. That can't be good. Elliot Smith stabbed That's himself it. to death with it. Yep. This conversation's taking a dark turn. I did. <laughs> we, we talked about Dude. David Wallace, right? Yeah. And, David uh, Foster Wallace. And uh, I you know what? tried to read his books again <clears throat> on your prompt. I even bought the book. Did you, you told read me. Uh, a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again? I did. I've got You couldn't find it in you. I know I'm there, but it's just like. Trying to get a drink out of a fire hose, man. It's like really. Do you read? Uh, do you have you read brief interviews with hideous men? No, I'm still working on the uh, 
the what was the last one you said? Supposedly fun thing I'll never do yeah, again. Yeah, I kept infinite jest next to in my room, so that way I look smart. So when you have ladies, yeah, over. <laughs> he used it as a prop. I saw Tom Petty the week before he died here. Oh, did you know that show? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For just, total weird circumstance. I mean, I would, I, I, I well. I like Tom Petty, but I would not have bought a ticket to that. You know what I mean? It's just not really what my... What are you saying? Because I bought a ticket. To, I, me, and, me and the missus went to see Tom Petty. Not there, but oh, really? two or three years ago. Uh, no, I'm not saying anything by it. It's just like... You it, say it, we're suckers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tickets fell into our lap, and, and, okay. and we went. And we, we were invited by like a work colleague. Like, oh, man, I'd love to go. I'd love to see Petty. You know, he's... Is an icon. And Dude, like, he's a great American. Yeah, one of the, one of the greats. And that's an Amer- The story of Tom Petty is a story about everything that's great about but, America. But here's so so I, I just I just bring it up because of Jimmy's story about Chris Cornell, which which is like horrible. I view Tom Petty as the opposite. There's a glorious story. That dude wraps up a tour, yeah. and and you know figurative mic drop and just goes out, yeah. right? And like how do, how do you do better than that? What's the quote you used to say? Like some guy said, oh, if I had to do it all over again. I'd do it like Petty did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was an interview. It was an interview with uh it was an interview with another musician who said if I could do it all over again, I'd do it like Tom Petty. Yeah. That's what I thought about when, when he died. When I say Tom Petty's great American, I mean the story of Petty's like career and success is right. story, like to be like kids from Gainesville, Florida, like a garage band, become like a bar band, cover band. You go out to L.A. to make it big. None of you has ever been west of the Mississippi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You find some scrap of paper in a phone booth with like some record producers' names on it and start <laughs> calling. It's just the, a bizarre I know. Story. Great story. No, it's iconic. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like, and, and even when he died, I was like, this in a way is the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it's, it's terrible that he died, but it's like, you're going to die anyway. What a way to go. Why out. not rap? You know, I mean, just why not put a bow on it? Speaking of suicide, American Girl. She could hear the cars roll by on old 441 like the waves crashing on the beach. And for one desperate moment, it's about a girl that kills herself jumping out of a window. Hmm. American Girl is? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's about a suicide. Oh, God. Yeah, in the court. Oh, God, it's so painful. Something that's so close but still so far out of reach. Yeah. American Girl. Um, I understand it's a doll line now. So... I think that's it. Oh, no, I wanted to let one last thing. A guy wrote in. I had said something like having a hammer hanging over your head. And a guy wrote in to say, oh, it's not that. You meant to the sword. The sword. Sword of Democles. Yeah. Did you write in that? Nope. How do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> How do you know what I'm talking about? Well, because it's not a hammer over your head. That's, that's not a thing. The sword so, over Imagine. Your head. No, I was being like, uh, I wasn't referring to that. The sword of Democles. Because you guys are alluding to it when you talk about famous people rich famous people killing themselves so a king ha- has like a guy in his court who's just a professional flatterer okay and he says to the king my god for just i would what i would love just to be you for to be you you have it made right mm-hmm. you're rich you're the king like why can't i be you and he goes oh please I'll show you exactly what it's like to be me and seats him at the banquet table with the beautiful women around him, the food, the wine, the drink. And then he takes a sword and hangs it from a single horse hair uh-huh. high above his head. Is that right? I guess I don't know this. <laughs> and he says, okay, do you want to stay in my seat now? 
Yeah. The sword of Damocles. Mm. And the hammer of Steve Rinella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. You do have a. You, by the way, you do have a, a kayak paddle over your head. So I, hope, <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's symbolic. Yeah, carbon fiber Werner, carbon fiber Werner paddle could fall and bust me in the head. Yeah, that's right. I think wouldn't even give you a headache. So like, <laughs> float thing, down dude, like a feather. <laughs> I don't know if you know Fitzgerald, but uh, at the, up at the fish shack, yeah. the next time you go to take the boat out to get the, take, take the canoe to get the skiff, uh-huh. you'll notice that I now have a carbon fiber canoe paddle up there. Holy shit. Yeah. I think I saw something this about this. Yeah. Good stuff. You keep thinking you forgot the paddle, then you realize that you're paddling. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.